if you just did it continuously without stopping, that's almost 16 days of sharpening pencils. <laughs> oh my God. Hello and welcome to the Erasable Podcast. This is episode 199, just before the milestone 200th episode, but we're not waiting to interview a man who's been in the news a lot lately, and his name is already familiar to members of the American Pencil Collector Society. Joining us tonight is Aaron Bothelme, Secretary Treasurer of the APCS and future world record holder. Thank you for joining us, Aaron. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah. And also with us, of course, are Andy and Tim, and I'm Johnny. Hello. Yeah. Forgot that part. Hey, Aaron. I have to talk about that part. Yeah, Aaron, cares? I'm just excited yeah. to talk to you. I feel like we've communicated on email for, you know, some years now. So it's cool to just kind of hear your voice. Yeah, it's cool to finally connect. Yeah. Yeah. And I was double checking the spelling of your name on Google. And there are all these news stories that talk about you that were put out in the last two weeks. Yeah. It, that it I has, was... It's been crazy how the news has just taken off. I did not expect that to happen. That's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, we have yeah. we have the exclusive the exclusive yes. interview where basically the Barbara Walters of <laughs> of the pencil world. So or I, I guess mean, the there's o- been a Oprah couple others that beat you out, but you are the one and only yeah. podcast. So Yay. <laughs> and the number two. <laughs> That's Brad Dowdy. <laughs> awesome. You want to jump in so we can take as long as we want? Yeah. Awesome. I'll go first and ask the question that we always have to ask people. So a lot of us have sent snail mail directly to you with our Pencil Collector Society dues, but we have no idea what sort of pencil user or pencil collector you are. Like, What got you interested in pencils? It's your pencil origin story. Yeah, so I always mark my start in collecting at first grade. Our teacher gave all the students in her class a few of those like shiny, colorful Pentec pencils for Christmas one year. And mm. my family's just always kind of had the collecting bug. So something in me just thought those were neat and decided to keep them instead of sharpening them like all of my classmates. And so that was kind of what got me started. And then I grew up antiquing with my grandpa. We would go to antique stores and flea markets during the summer. And so that's really how I got into the the antique advertising pencils was just going to all those flea markets and looking at all the cool stuff while grandpa was off over, you know, looking at other stuff. Did you still have those Pentec pencils? I do. I was not smart enough to, you know, identify which ones specifically were the first, but I could at least get close to figuring that out. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm curious. I used to, when I was younger, I used to go travel to Florida, stay with my grandparents. There were a lot of like, really amazing flea markets down there that we would go to. And my thing was always looking for, I was looking for records or I was looking for golf stuff or whatever. But like, I'm just wondering about like that experience when you were a kid of like going and starting the collection at that time, like, were you buying them kind of in like large amounts or was it just kind of like, Ooh, I like this one. Ooh, I like this one. Or what kind of like drove you at that point to like pick things up? Was it just, I don't have that one. Let me have it. Or what was that like? Essentially, yeah. I mean, it, I, I think it really helped. It was something small and cheap that, you know, even in elementary school I could afford. But it was, yeah, I think a lot of times it was buying smaller, a couple here, a couple there. You know, I remember once or twice buying like a cigar box full and I was just over the moon. But 
Yeah, it did. Definitely. It started small and just kind of grew gradually. Are you, are you a pencil user as well as a collector? Yes, certainly not. Maybe not to the extent that you guys and your listeners are. Mine is more like, here's a cool old one that was mm. sharpened when I got it. So I'll use it instead of collect it. But I just, I like the older vintage ones. It's, you know, they're better quality and it's, it's just yeah. kind of fun. When I was a teacher, those, those cast offs would be the ones that went to school with me and I could always get them back because I was the only one, you know, giving out like 30 year old seed company pencils. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, gosh, I'm trying to like think back of when I first kind of joined the American Pencil Collector Society. Uh, member number uh, 2099 here. I like last one in before the, you know, the 2100. <laughs> but uh, I guess I can't really remember a time when you weren't involved with that organization. How did you first get involved and kind of get on the board? Yeah, so I first joined in high school. It was in 2004. And I'm pretty sure I first learned about the club through a vendor at one of those flea markets. It was somebody that I bought a box of pencils from. And, you know, in those days as a kid, all of the vendors liked kind of educate, educating the younger generation. And so yeah. he knew that I was interested in pencils and he had been a member of the club and kind of got me onto that. And so I think I joined as a birthday present from my parents in 2004 and then ended up at my first convention few years later, I think that was 09 that I went to my first convention and have not missed one since then. Really enjoyed getting involved. And so the secretary treasurer position to open up in 2015. Hmm. And so I took that over at that point. What's your member number? 1980. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Yeah, that yeah. is a very good one. Do you, well, could uh, you say something like, I, I just started interrupt johnny but i was just oh, you're fine like, we haven't talked too much about the or like or we haven't had we haven't talked to anybody who's been at the the conventions can you talk a little bit about like what these conventions are like like when you started going and i think you said was that 2009 when you first went yeah like, what are they like and how have they sort of expanded and developed over time yeah so i think unfortunately in some ways they're they're shrinking a little bit over time i know they used to be you know really this multi-day event with all of the different people you know and and certainly the crowd that comes has gotten smaller but they are still just they're amazing events it's you know it's a chance to reconnect with all the friends that you only get to see every couple of years and it is just a room full of pencils that you get to spend like two straight days just digging through and swapping and finding all the cool ones that the other people bring and you know, just swapping stories of all the cool stuff that you've found in the last year and the cool stuff they've found in the last year. And it's just, it's really cool to be with a room full of these like-minded people who geek out about the same stuff that you do. That is really cool. So are the, do these take place over more than one day? Yeah, typically they're two-day events. So on the second day, does the room smell like cedar? Probably. 
can't tell anymore. It just smells it all the time anyways. Yeah. It's like something smells right in here. It was really, I well, I know we'll get to the event later, but it was really kind of funny when my when I had my counting event and had all of my pencils in one room, I had multiple people come in and tell me, you know, it smells like pencils in here. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it was great. Like you say that like it's bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that you are still a pencil or a pencil user, not just collector. So before we talk about your world record, what are some of your favorite pencils to use? Yeah, so I I don't I don't get a lot into the the brand names and the manufacturers. You know, my desk at work all the pencils are like you know, 30-year-old pencil from a hardware store and one from a bank and one from a community college like it's just the fun it's the same kind of stuff that i collect that that weird advertising and i just really enjoy getting to use those yeah i'd actually love before we get talking about you know the world record stuff and the counting i'd love to just kind of like talk about the shape of your collection a little bit like how is there like a particular scope of pencils that you're collecting or is it just any pencil and like there's some advertising pencils, some old brand name pencils. Like how do you, how do you like kind of see the large shape of your collection? Yeah. So the, the vast majority of what I collect is antique advertising woods. I, I limit myself to wooden pencils. I don't get into the bullets or the mechanicals or anything. But from there, I really have a little of everything. I've got brand names. I've got novelties. I've got carpenters. I, you know, I, I really don't pigeonhole myself, which is how it's gotten so large and out of hand. But yeah, the, the vast majority is is advertising pencils. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, especially especially in the Midwest. When I was in Indiana, they were just like all over the flea markets and just lots of, especially a lot of like agriculture advertising pencils. Yes. Agriculture, insurance. Yeah. Yeah, certain ones there's just tons of. I have a bunch from a burlap bag company in Texas. Oh, interesting. And they're really nice. They're a little fatter. They're red cedar. They have a really long ferrule. Sweet. That's really cool. Any any really super rare pencils that you're especially proud of that you have as part of this collection? I think I'm most proud of some of my historic ones. I love the ones from World War II where you got mm. just that intense patriotism and, and back in the war effort. It's just a fun little slice of life of seeing all the different things that they put on the pencils, you know, from yeah. the kind of commonplace remember Pearl Harbor to some of the kind of outlandish slogans that they put on there about, you know, go get them sort of thing. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't use the rubber on this eraser to save rubber for our boys overseas. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's, I was going to ask, like, with, I'm just thinking about the convention. We've all been to pen conventions, like fountain pen conventions, and there's kind of like these, there's much more of a hierarchy, you know, with with that world. And it seems like this one's more kind of like inclusive. It's just kind of like seeing like, oh, I don't have that. I haven't said that. But are like at the convention or they're like super, I don't know, like grail pencils or categories that people are like, oh gosh, I'd, I'd love to find one of those and they're hunting for them. Or is it more just about the, camaraderie and just the swapping of what you haven't seen yet it, it really seems like everybody just kind of has their own little niche 
So they've all got that one particular type that they're looking for. So, you know, we've got guys where they're only collecting bullet pencils. So they'll hone in on that and find the specific type or style that they're looking for. There's one guy from Florida that worked for a telephone company. And so he looks for all the pencils that have like an image of a telephone on them. The ones that I really go for anything with a date on them. So there's ones with like the old school, like sports schedules and things like that. So everybody's mm-hmm. just kind of digging through the same boxes and picking out all the ones that mean something to them. Those, oh, that's so those cool. bullet pencil guys are intense. They are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the people in the like classifieds of the APCS newsletter, just like looking for any and all bullet pencils, especially some from like these states doing these things. And it's just like amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's super interesting that it's something that you collect that unlike, just to compare it again, like with the whole fountain pen world, like there's like a record of every, pretty much everything that's out there, right? Like, I mean, I imagine that with the advertising pencil, it's just like, you never know what you're going to find. Like, you don't even know what you're missing because you're just, you're just hunting as opposed to the world of like, well, I've got one of these from, you know, a model from 1922 all the way up to 1948, but I need a 43 or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But it's just yeah, like a no. total, a vast world. You're right. That that really is part of the fun of it is you just, you have no idea what's out there. And so there's always that surprise of digging through the box and just, you know, seeing what you can find and seeing what new and weird stuff you come across. How do you, how do you organize all of these pencils? Like kind of when you realized you were starting to get like pretty serious and you're like, oh, wow, I have like quite a few of these pencils. How do you kind of keep them categorized and separate and organized? Yeah, good question. It took me a while to get that to that point. A few years back, probably about 10 years ago now, I finally started myself a database. So every oh, new wow. pencil I get, I enter that into a spreadsheet. So I've got, you know, what's on the pencil, what color it is, where I got it, when I got it. And so that just helps me kind of keep track of things. And then at the same time, I really started kind of a sorting system of how I was going to organize the physical collection. So most of it I've sorted by city and state based on what the advertising is. So where that company was located, you know, some other categories beyond that. But most of it is, you know, based on what what it's advertising or where it's advertising. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you do you keep them? I don't mean to like go down a rabbit hole and get super nerdy, but are you keeping them in like jars or boxes or cases? Like how do you physically kind of contain them? Yeah, it's it's a little of everything. I started out, most of it was in cigar boxes. I just had piles yeah. and piles of cigar boxes. And I've kind of kind of honed it a little bit from there. Certainly some of it is still in that. I have a lot of these cool kind of plastic tubes where they can stand on end. They're actually designed as Beanie Baby display cases, but they are the perfect size for pencils. And it's a neat way to display them visually. And then in my garage, I have one wall that is these metal card catalog cabinets. Uh, There was a company here in town in Colfax that manufactured folding tables. And these held all of their customer records on index cards. And I managed to acquire those a few years back. And they're the perfect size for putting two pencils end to end. So I've got a lot of my collection stored like that. Wow. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a really cool idea. 
I'm looking up these little beanie baby cylinders right now. Right now, that that's that's such a great idea. They're just like, like you can buy them individually for like six dollars. So I imagine if you're buying like you know more than a dozen of them, they're much cheaper. Yeah, and the, the nice thing is, I I didn't have to buy most of them. As I I mentioned, my family kind of had the collecting bug. So one of the things my grandpa collected was beanie babies. So uh, when we finally decided we didn't need that collection anymore, I got all the cases. Yeah. I tell you, those those Princess Diana beanie, beanie babies are going to go back up in value at some point. <laughs> just just waiting for that. I still think about when my dog got a hold of our Jerry Garcia-themed beanie baby. <laughs> oh, that was, no. That was the one that we thought was going to be worth like a million dollars or whatever yeah. when we were in the in the in the thick of things plus we were all deadheads so that helped too <laughs> we were just like probably wouldn't have sold it anyways yeah i'm i'm wondering just like you've, you've mentioned i think you mentioned estate sales earlier and you've talked about the conventions do you have any like sort of stories about some of the strangest or most unexpected ways that you've come across pencils that have made it into your collection um i guess i don't know about weirdest ways they've come in just one story that comes to mind of a, a cool find. I know I shared this in our newsletter for anybody that's a member, but as as the person that does the welcome packets for anybody joining the club, I always send out this info sheet with some history of the background of the club. And so there's a story in there of where the founders first kind of discovered pencil collecting. They were at a, a cafe at a gas station down in southern Iowa. And this guy had pencils just like lining the walls, like he had his collection displayed like that. And the family mm. went in there and saw that and were kind of like, hey, pencils, those are cool. And so I was on this quest to find like a pencil from this guy's uh, station. You know, surely if he did this and was running a business, he must have had advertising. Mm. And so I, you know, at that point, I had thousands of pencils, tons from Iowa, hadn't seen anything from there. And then went to an estate sale just a couple years ago, and this family happened to be from that tiny town in southern Iowa, and there were like five pencils in a box under a table, and one of them was from his service station. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That's awesome. I, I've always wanted to like, yeah, just like go to an estate sale and just like find that kind of like hidden cache of like, you know, like old black wings from the 40s or you know microtomics or you know things like that have not like and the trouble is 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 so often it just seems like you know those are the kind of things somebody empties out the the drawer of somebody who died and they just like throw that kind of stuff away they don't even make it to the estate sale yes Um, absolutely i can't tell you how often i hear that story of oh when we cleaned out my grandpa's house we just threw all that away it's like oh (laughs) no Do you do you have like a network of like estate sale agents that you're like now don't don't throw that away like like call me. Uh, I don't know about estate sales, but I certainly had several of my my flea market dealers. Hmm. There were certain shows that I would make sure to go to every year, and there were certain dealers that would start like you know putting pencils under the table for me and setting them nice. aside. So <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. That's really great. Awesome. So um, I'll take the next one. Yeah. Moving on to your world recordness. Yes. We don't get to talk with world record holders very often. So what sort of, you know, got you started on the path for vying for the record? Did you, 
like count your pencils one day and you're like, whoa, I have more than that guy has. Yeah. So at some point, so the the database that I have has been real helpful for knowing just how much I have because it's a spreadsheet. So it just counts as you go. So I've been able to really track things that way. And a few years back, stumbled onto the world record site. I don't know if it was one of my students or if I was just Googling one day, but just discovered that the record was like, I think maybe 20,000 at that point. And it's like, well, geez, I have way more than that. That doesn't seem right. And so I looked into it and I thought it was going to be real easy. You know, I've got this database that lists everything I have and where it's from. And I thought I could just send this database off to Guinness and they would check it off and say, yep, good job. And then I learned that it was not going to be anywhere close to that easy. So I just kind of put that dream aside for a few years and let it go. It it just seems like if you're, you know, going all the trouble of like faking a database like that, like you should get some A for effort there because that's a big database to fake. Right. Like who's (laughs) going to just do that and make it all up? But (laughs) so, yeah, so I put it aside, thought, you know, there's no way. I mean, their their evidence requirements are intense and it's like there is no way that I can make this happen. But then last year at one of our at our convention last summer got to talking about, you know, having looked into that and having applied for it and how I thought that it was unachievable. And the members that I was chatting with were all like, no, you should totally do that. You should go for that. We'll help with that. We'll get you there. And so, yeah, I just, that was kind of the springboard to actually move forward and commit to it and and make the decision to, to try and do it. That's so cool. Yeah. So can you tell us about the process of applying for recognition as a world record holder? Like what was the counting process like, which I know you did kind of in a public fashion with, I think with the convention and yeah, like what's the, and what, what do you get from it? You know, or like, or not, not, <laughs> but meaning like what do they send you a plaque or like, what's this, what's the whole process like? Yeah. So they they just have these lists of guidelines of everything that you must do in order to meet their requirements. And so, mm. yep, I had to host a public event where the count would take place. I had to have exactly two counters, each count the entire collection. We had to film the entire count. And then I had to send in all of those video clips, my database, statements from the witnesses, just a wide variety of things. I so figured the, there would the, just be like some old, you know, Irish man with a big mustache and a top hat who would come and just like watch the whole thing or something. I was really hoping, <laughs> I, I mean, that that would be pretty cool. I was really hoping to get Guinness out because that is an option. You can get somebody from Guinness to like come out and witness it. And then you don't have to film everything and send in as much evidence. But I yeah. found out that that was going to be like thousands of dollars to make them do uh, that. You have to pay for their travel. Yes, something. Those I, I pay bastards. for a new car for them. I'm not sure. It was <laughs> yeah. crazy. Do you know how many? You know how many teenagers? I've been a teacher. You know how many middle schoolers have bought their books? Like, they've got oh the, yeah, they got the money to travel. <laughs> I'm sure they were just like, you have to put us up in the, you know, the, the Ritz Carlton, and this is our our writer. Like, only green M and M's. Wow. But yeah, it was it was quite the day. So we started we started at 8 a.m. on Saturday. 
And I had no idea when we were setting all this up, you know, trying to arrange all the people in the event space and everything. It's like, I have no idea how long it is going to take to count this many pencils. So we were just kind of doing some rough math and some guessing. And by nine o'clock that night, we still had not gotten through the whole collection. So we actually got them to agree. I, I tried to talk them out of it. I said, no, we got, we had enough to break the record. Just, just go home. It's fine. And they were they were committed to finishing it out, so they actually came back the next morning and did five more hours of counting. Wow, yeah. incredible! How many people were there? So I'd say we had about a hundred people, mostly from the community, come out and see. And it was wow. just really cool. You know, a lot of it was friends and family members who knew about me, knew about my collection, just wanted to come out and see and support. But I had a lot of random strangers too that were just interested in the collection, interested in in the uniqueness of it that wanted to come out and see. I had one random guy like take a selfie with me. I had another mom ask me to take a picture with her kids. I didn't know who these people were. It was just really weird being a celebrity <laughs> for a day. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. If if I was anywhere just like close to the Midwest, I totally would have come. That sounds like it was just a real just a real fun celebration of pencils. Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's just a long waiting process. So I had to upload everything to their website that included 97 10 minute video clips, which took a painful oh amount of time to upload. Yeah. And so, so now I use Dropbox. Don't give us this FTP people. So now I just have to wait. They said it's probably going to be about 12 weeks for them to review everything. And then they'll make the determination if I've done enough to break the record like numbers wise it is very clear that i've broken the record but i have to have dotted all the i's and crossed all the t's that they want to see if i'm actually approved hmm. what do you know about the previous the, the i guess i should say the current record holder so current record holder is a guy from uruguay hmm. who has about twenty four thousand pencils yeah and my record, the number I'm submitting to Guinness is 69,255. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> you beat him by a, a little, little bit. A little bit, yeah. Even if there's a few doubles in there, I think you still got Yeah. You still got <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, so, so, so that's a attempt. Now you said 97 10-minute videos, so 970... So they they're gonna sit and watch 970 minutes of counting. Is that is that the idea though that they would like literally view all of that footage to to confirm it? I'm really not sure. I yeah. I cannot imagine that anybody would have the patience to do that. I think that's the idea, but I have no idea if they actually will or if they'll just go. Hmm, yep, you you did this thing. It's just <laughs> there in case you know somebody contests you. They can be like, nope, yeah, look, see. <laughs> Run through AI or something. Yeah, yeah. If you don't believe us, you can watch. Yeah. What if it's all? What is? What if it's all deep faked? What if you all just like made a, just an AI, pencil counting deep fake video? <laughs> Again, so much effort still yeah, deserves. It seems. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, do you you know get just like a lifetime supply of like Guinness if you win this? Like, I mean. If bragging rights but is there any other sort of like interesting perks of like holding a guinness world record from what i can tell i think the only physical you th thing you get is a certificate 
declaring that you are the world record holder. And then it's just, you know, kind of the enduring fame until somebody else snatches that away. Until somebody comes in with 70,000 pencils. Right. Or to follow your lead, 110,000. Yeah. It just blows by like a huge jump. What you have is sort of like a corporate two two truths and a lie, like icebreaker fodder for the rest of your life. So, yeah. And, and even without being approved, I've already gotten my 15 minutes of fame in ways that I never expected. As you said, you know, if you Google my name right now, you will see an endless amount of stories. Yeah. You know, when I, when I had the event, I invited out, there are three Des Moines TV news stations. And so I invited them out and I think having them there helped the story spread. And so within a few days, it had been picked up by the Associated Press. And it just kind of spread across the country from there. Since then, I've had two interviews with different Canadian radio stations. I have been interviewed by the Washington Post and by a newspaper from Spain. (laughs) That's amazing. All right. That's so cool. So I was going to say, I kind of answered that, but besides, you know, just a quirky podcast about pencils, like what's, what's kind of like the weirdest publication that's reached out? It sounds like newspaper from Spain, kind of randomly. Yeah, I think that's probably the weirdest one. The, the Washington Post certainly blew me away. You know, it's, yeah. it's one thing when this quirky Canadian radio show reaches out to you, but when the Washington Post reaches out, it's like, oh, Wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I love that. So, I guess what are your what are your plans to celebrate? Like when you when they sort of like officially declare it, you know, Guinness World Record. Are you are you going to Disney World? <laughs> are you going <laughs> to sip on some Guinness? Kind of. What are you What are you thinking? You know, I don't think I've thought that far out. It, it has kind of been one day at a time at this point of getting the, the event planned and ready and then getting the evidence uploaded and submitted. Yeah. So it's just going to kind of be sit back and wait. Yeah, I, I don't know that I really have plans for celebrating, <laughs> but we'll, we'll certainly have to figure something out. You got to yeah. dip into the APCS like discretionary budget and like have a, <laughs> have a nice dinner or something. You could have like an extra convention. Yeah, there you go. I'm, <laughs> this one is yeah, catered. This one is held at your house. <laughs> yeah i'm just imagining like a, a scene like in is it the dark night the one where he's got all the cash behind him and he's like it's burning and he's walking away from it you're just like all right well set the record then i'm saying i'm probably that's probably horrifying to hear when you're a collector but i was just like you just had that image i was like golly that'd be nuts yeah aaron methodically yeah. speaking how does like how did the counting happen did you just get, get out like all of your jars and boxes and people like do a count and write it down and then add it all like tally it all up at the end or how did how did that go yeah so i had to so because it was a public event i had to bring my entire collection to the event space so our museum in town here has like a community center room and so took five car trips to take my entire collection down the road to the museum And then, yeah, we just counted it one box or one drawer at a time. There were 470 boxes to get through. And so counter number one counted the box. We wrote down his number, passed it off to counter number two. He counted the same box. We wrote down his number and just went through all 470 boxes that way. Just 
Oh, one more time. Did you take lots of photos that you can you could feel an entire Instagram account for this <laughs> for like months? Yeah, we. Yeah. I, my sister came out. She was. She asked if I wanted somebody to you know kind of photograph and document the event, and I said, "Yeah, that'd be awesome." And then we quickly realized that there is not really that much to take pictures of. It's like here they are counting. <laughs> here they are counting again. But. <laughs> But yeah, certainly lots of fun pencil shots and yeah. So so if you here's here's a fun fact: if you made like a Twitter account and you tweeted a picture of one of your pencils every hour, it would take more than eight years to get through your entire collection. Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> so so that sounds like something that, to do. That's if you don't sleep, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you automate it. You take you know, you set it all up. And oh then, yeah. You know, <laughs> takes two years to automate it. And I'm then sorry, it... <laughs> Twitter, not Twitter, X. X. <laughs> I was going to say, there's not going to be a Twitter in eight That's years. That's what we're calling it now. Instagram account. You can do it as an Instagram. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> sorry. Yes. So we always ask this sort of toward the end. Is there anything we didn't bring up that you wanted to mention or chat about? Like, Pencil sharpeners, erasers. Oh gosh! Any other fun like pencil goodies? Are you secretly into fountain pens? I'm not. You know, I I, I stick just to the pencils. I I collect all of the other random pencil stuff that goes along with it. I had a whole display of that at the event. So you know, pencil boxes and the blotters and and things like that. So anything that's you know the ephemera or the advertising that went along with that. Do you have any Do you have any non non pencil collections? I do. I collect local advertising from my my two hometowns. Hmm. So kind of in the same vein of that advertising. But yeah, I get real excited about that stuff too. That's really cool. My mom has kind of like several big collections going. She collects like Pepsi memorabilia and she collects like those old kind of like weird mid-century personified fruit that you see in like, like like refrigerator magnets and wall hangings and it's hard to kind of okay. explain that but yeah just interest I, I definitely come from a family of just like you know collectors as well well it seems like that's pretty common in the club too like everybody in the club obviously collects pencils and then most of them also collect something else like yeah. you just can't help it yeah when i when i moved to the bay area and just like seriously downsized my space i was like i really need to like have collections that don't take up much room so like my press pennies that's that's a fun one that doesn't doesn't take up that much room but it's still like you know you can get pretty pretty involved with that so i yeah, mean that's, that's what my... i thought about pencils too and then it yeah kind of <laughs> until you get so. to seventy thousand of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah I, think, I mean seventy thousand of anything yeah. yes <laughs> seventy thousand press pennies i would know <laughs> That would be so heavy. But th- at that point, I have like at least, you know, $7,000 invested in this. <laughs> For... But you can't take them to yeah, the bank. Yeah, because I have to face that much. Actually, it's more than that because it's, it's 50 cents. It's 51 cents to press a penny. So, man, I don't think I'll ever quite get there. But that's really cool. Uh, any Any tips, Aaron, for folks who are thinking about sort of like you know, I, I bet a lot of listeners here have some kind of a pencil collection, but if, if somebody was, wanted to get really serious about it and go really 
deep and just like start kind of proactively looking for any any tips you have for them about starting their pencil collection? I think it really is just, you know, look for things you love, find the things that you're really interested in. The goal should never be just amass a huge collection of stuff that doesn't interest you. Find the things that really speak to you and the stuff that you find really interesting and you're you're just going to enjoy every minute of it. That's great. And, and, you know, that makes me, like, just the way that you describe that about, you know, something that you love. Maybe when I ask you with, how do I ask this? Like, I mean, do you, are there certain pencils that pop up that you see that you then sort of dig into and, and research about and find out some of the backstory on? Absolutely. My, my wife kind of laughs at me for that in a very loving way. When I'm doing my, when I'm doing my database, I always have a Google tab open and I'm, you know, Googling as much as I can about, you know, certainly not everyone, but some of the weird stuff that shows up on there. I'm, you know, I've got a subscription to newspapers.com. So I'm looking up old newspaper articles and I'm looking up the story of that business. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I love digging into the history. I'm, I'm certainly a history nerd and that's, that's what really interests me about the collection. What's kept me going with it. Pencil, pencils are kind of a gateway to history. Yes, absolutely. That's really cool. And podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> That's neat. Awesome. So should we button up? Yeah. Yeah. Or does anyone have anything else they'd like to chat about? I uh, I mean, I guess we have a little time. I, I guess I'd be kind of interested in knowing, Aaron, what do you, besides collecting pencils, what do you, what do you do for fun? What are some of your favorite shows or books or hobbies? So my biggest hobby is antiquing. Hmm. During the pandemic, I started a little buying and selling business on the side, really giving me an excuse to keep going to the estate sales and the flea markets and just find all that stuff that everybody else overlooks. Hmm. I'm the guy that goes to an estate sale and like heads down to the basement and digs through all the boxes that everybody else ignores. Yeah. And that's just been a lot of fun. I've always kind of had an eye for that and I've always loved going to the flea markets and so it's been really fun to turn that into a little side business. Have you ever watched Swap Shop on Netflix? I've not. No. It's a it's a fun show. It's kind of they they it's about a like a little area in Eastern Tennessee, kind of where kind of near where Tim is, about just a bunch of folks who you know just go and sometimes kind of compete with each other for finding like interesting things at estate sales and and different swaps so they can sell in their shops. It's it's kind of fun because they definitely like roll up their sleeves and just dig into a lot of that and just see see value where others might see junk. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us, especially, yeah. you know, we have competition like the Washington Post <laughs> and it's nighttime. Yeah. So <laughs> this is no small deal. If people wanted to become a member of the American Pencil Collector Society or, you know, learn more about it, what would they do? Yeah, so you'll go to our website. It is pencilcollector.org. There's information out there about the club as well as a membership application that you can fill out and send in. We would love to have you join us. We've got a convention coming up next summer. So we'd be excited to see you there. And and if you're if you're thinking about becoming a member, spring for the extra charge to get the paper newsletter because it is I mean, it's just delightful. I just love it whenever it arrives. I read it front to back. Absolutely. So for 
folks who don't know, we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to for as little as $2 a month to support our efforts. And now we're recording more regularly, so yay. However, if you subscribe at the nubbin stage, then you are technically a producer. So we read your name at the end of every episode. So big extra thanks to Dana Morris, Monica Corwin, Liz Bertundo, Melissa Miller, Angie, Aaron Bollinger, Ivan Hearns. I apologize if I ruined your name. Tara Whittle, Ida Umfers, David Johnson, Phil Munson, Donnie Pierce, Tom Keekley, Andre Torres, Paul Moorhead, John Capaluti, Stephen Fransali, Aaron Willard, Millie Blackwell, Michael Dialosa, Donna Feliz, Ann Sight, Joe Crace, Michael Hagen, Bill Clough, Mary Collis, Kathleen Rogers, Kelton Weens, Hans Noodleman, and John Wood. Thanks a lot, and next time is 200, so yeah. it's going to be awesome. Do you like our podcast? Most people like our podcast, but if you don't like our podcast, maybe we'll turn it off. <laughs> <laughs>